Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans, this is episode 8, the 360 Viewpoint. Welcome back to the show. I know everyone is busy this time of the year. I appreciate those who have found the time to fit in listening amongst your busy schedules of holiday parties, shopping, and whatnot. So thank you. Once again, we have a fairly newsless week in regards to the XFL. But despite the lack of news, I believe we have a quality show, so don't go anywhere. Later, I will be joined again by Let's Talk XFL contributor Brian Roth to discuss potential head coaching candidates. But before we do so, we should touch on a recent episode of the Founder Podcast hosted by Nathan Chan. He sits down with XFL chairwoman Danny Garcia to discuss an array of her businesses. Included in the near hour-long interview was a nine-and-a-half-minute conversation regarding the XFL. Although it's a brief segment, she provides enough insight as to what fans could anticipate from the league when it returns in 2023. The first portion of the XFL conversation Garcia mentions a 360 viewpoint of everything that surrounds the football being played on the field. She provides a vague but insightful glimpse of what the ownership is thinking and adding to the 2020 version of the XFL. But for us, we were looking at an opportunity to be the stewards of football in a 360 sort of viewpoint, multidimensionally, looking at everything that surrounds the football and taking responsibility for that. So how are the athletes experiencing it? How are the fans? How are our partners? How are our sponsors? How are our production partners? And we have a very specific point of view on how the storytelling and the interaction and how the XFL should be experienced and not watched. So we have in fact just came back last this Monday from a full intensive in New York City as far as our XFL and our XFL rollout. Um, So we're very, very excited. I would say historically, if you look at everything I've done, everything I've done in my last 28 some years has led to this moment when it comes to the XFL. It demands all of my expertise in all of the different areas to be able to do what I want to do with this property. So I'm very excited. Mm, Yeah, look, I find it really fascinating, uh, this particular acquisition, um, and just yeah, just like a, it, it's 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 quite a complex play. Um, so, can, like yeah, I'd love to. Can we delve a little bit more on that? Sure, absolutely. You know, you have the um, first of all, you have the complexity of the game of football in the United States, which you need to deliver at a level that's undeniable. So, right there, those expectations and executions are its own sort of company in itself. And then what we're doing is we're wrapping around it the we're we're taking control of the entire universe that lives within football and we're wrapping around it various elements of entertainment and media and expression and live events so that not only do you have the game and dynamic play but you have football being a catalyst to other experiences and in that you start to 
garner great complexity. And that's all about execution. So I think one of the great things that I recognize, especially in partnership with Dwayne and in partnership with Redbird Capital, who are our other partners in ownership of the XFL, is that we clearly bring a skill set that doesn't exist in major league sports. And that is where I see incredible opportunity. And that's where we have been building out the business plan to really take advantage of that expertise. Um, So you've got to have an ACE team right for the game, for the players, for how they're experiencing life. And then you have to overlay that with an additional set of skills to take care of every other aspect that touches the fans and touches your partners and touches how the game is being experienced. How is it being experienced with gaming? How is it being experienced on your phone? Um, So, you know, the challenge is great, but it's been an incredible experience. I love the relationships. I love the people we have on board, the quality. Um, And I'm really looking forward to 2023. Danny states they are looking at creating a multidimensional game day experience. They are focused on improving entertainment, expression, live events, and media. They plan on doing so by looking into incorporating aspects of your personal phone and gaming. I must admit, I can't fathom to what extent this ownership has envisioned for the 2023 XFL Game Day experience, but I have a good feeling that it is going to encompass multi-layered aspects, which will include our smartphones. Danny, Dwayne, and Redbird Capital seem smart enough to realize attention spans are much shorter, as well as our need to interact with the world constantly throughout our day. So what is it that I foresee? Several possibilities. First, Sports betting is going to become a focal point throughout the stadium. Second, the inclusion of XFL fantasy updates. We could also see various entertainment initiatives such as dancers and cheerleaders or drum lines like we saw at the New York Guardian Games. And mascots, although childish, serve a purpose for the younger fan base. And potentially halftime performances. I know there must be other items under consideration. I just can't fathom what they could be or how they would fit into a sporting event. I'm hopeful the XFL 3.0 will not revert to its 1.0 era tactics. If you are not already aware of what I'm alluding to, do yourself a favor and check out ESPN's documentary, This Was the XFL. As the documentary shows, Vince McMahon doubled down on sideshow tactics. Those skits killed interest and had a negative impact on attendance and television ratings. That's enough of a semi-trip to negative town. Moving on to a more positive note. The official Spiral Tropical Bulls Twitter account made a post on December 19th that XFL scouts were confirmed to be in attendance for the Tropical Bull Combine that begins on January 14th in Orlando, Florida. The initial tweet also mentioned scouts from other leagues, including the Arena, Canadian Football League, and international scouts. The original tweet was followed up by another, stating the USFL scouts had been also confirmed. It is no shocker, but folks, we have a spring football arms race. I know fans are hopeful these leagues can coexist, but at some point, we must acknowledge that these leagues are competing entities. It will be interesting to see how this all works out. Speaking of an arms race, it would make sense for the XFL to secure head coaches before diving too far into scouting. I cannot imagine Doug Wally and perhaps a few assistants can effectively scout enough players to field eight teams on their own. At some point, the league needs to fulfill these positions. 
because these head coaches need to hire the rest of their coaching staffs and so much more. The reality is the XFL just cannot wait until the National Football League's Black Monday. I have invited Brian Roth back to the show to discuss who the league should be considering and negotiating with for the 2023 season. Welcome back, Brian. I appreciate you taking time to join me for another episode. Uh, Thank you for having me back on, Mike. I appreciate it. We all know the eight XFL head coaches from 2020, but we need to be realistic. It is unlikely each of them will return to the league. If any of them weren't able to make it back, who would you like to see the XFL consider for 2023? I decided to have fun with this list first and foremost, Mike, because I realized that if anything, this league is going to come back up in 2023. So I sort of keep in mind that there would be two head coaching sort of carousels in between now and 2023. So I kind of have to at least keep that in mind, sort of think of what some names that might be sort of floating around. I decided to take some things out of left field and just sort of have fun with a little bit, but in no particular order. The first two names I have on my list were sort of connected with Russ Brandon when he was in Buffalo, Chan Gailey and Doug Marone. Doug Marone from the Nick Saban School of Coaching Rehab. Then I have Adam Gase on my list. I think he would be a nice prime candidate to also rehab his coaching image. I put down current Houston Texans head coach, David Culley. I think he could potentially fit somewhere in that. Now, here's my first left field mention, I would say, is current Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Urban Meyer. Then I also have Matt Nagy on the list, current head coach of the Chicago Bears. Matt Rule, the current head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I guess he's sort of seeing a little bit of a trend here. But then I also have some college coaches thrown into the mix. So I have Herm Edwards, who I believe is still at Arizona State, might actually end up getting fired at some point. Steve Sarkeesian. I have Coach O at Orgeron on the list. Then I also threw on some names like, say, Todd Haley, who used to coach Kansas City. I got Lovey Smith on the list, the current defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. I also have David Cutcliffe, who I believe was a Duke head coach and was a Duke head coach for quite some time and recently resigned from that post. I think he would be fitting for that. Then I got Pat Fitzgerald, Matt Patricia, Steve Adazio, another left field one, Al Golden, who used to coach at Temple and Miami Hurricanes, who I believe is working in the NFL right now. Butch Davis recently worked at FIU. And then the last one on my list is Romeo Cornell. So, I mean, I have people from all over, like the NFL, college, anywhere in between. Because I think, at least for the XFL is concerned, any sort of mention of head coaches or anything like that, I automatically think, let's get really retread here and think of what are some of the most retread names out there that can probably fit this bill. That's a pretty solid list of candidates for the league to consider. It's interesting because I use some particular criteria when I draft mine, and I'm curious what criteria you used in drafting your list. In particular, I wouldn't say necessarily had a criteria, so to say, because, I mean, if you really look through the list, there's a sort of people from all over the place. I even have, like, people that currently have head coaching jobs in the NFL on the list. In particular for David Culley, what sort of popped out me for him is that he was in the league for quite some time and worked all sorts of various positions within the league that I thought somebody with his sort of background could be a good potential coaching candidate for an XFL team. 
I think in general, what I would like to see is anybody that has any sort of positional coaching experience in the NFL, offense or defensive or special teams coordination positions in the NFL. And if anybody has any head coaching experience, I think that's a plus. If the goal of the XFL is to sort of be a feeder league to the NFL, develop NFL talent, I think what's important is to have people of any sort of experience working in the NFL to work in the XFL. But then also I threw in some college coaching names because I think there'll be an opportunity for them to also maybe get a chance to coach a pro team and sort of keep themselves busy. So I kind of have a little mishmash of things in it. No, it makes sense. So I did use age as a qualifier. I use professional head coaching experience as a qualifier. I believe it's important for a professional league to groom players that are trying to pretty much establish themselves as a professional athlete and make it potentially to the NFL. So I have prepared a three-tier list of potential candidates, as well as a small list of whom I have determined out of consideration. I will start with those that are out of my consideration. Steve Spurrier. He's 76 years old. He'll be 77 when the league kicks off in 2023. Mike Martz, he's 70. He'll be 71 in 2023. Wade Phillips, he's 74. He'll be 75 when the league kicks off in 2023. Jerry Glanville is 80 years old. He'll be 81 when the league kicks off in 2023. And lastly, Dennis Erickson, who is 74 years old, and we'll be turning 75 before the league kicks off in 2023. To me, I think you got to have some young blood, so to speak. The goal is not to continue to have one-off coaches, you know, once every season. So you might want to have people that you could potentially have for at least two seasons. So I'm going to start with my tier one. And I don't think this is possible, but Doug Peterson... So he's 53 years old. He'll be 55 in 2023. He's currently a free agent. He has 42 wins and 37 losses with a winning percentage of 53% in five NFL seasons as a head coach. He's made it to five postseasons and obviously the 2017 Super Bowl winner. Secondly, Jeff Fisher. He'll be 63. He'll be 64 in 2023. He has 173 wins, 165 losses, and one tie with a 51% winning percentage in 21 NFL seasons as a head coach. He's gone to six postseasons, one Super Bowl appearance, only nine losing seasons, and five of which were at seven and nine, and five seasons at eight and eight. Regardless, his teams have always been competitive. John Fox, he is 66, and he'll be turning 68 by the time they kick off in 2023. He has 133 wins. 123 losses with a win percentage of 52% in 16 seasons in the NFL with seven postseasons and two Super Bowl appearances. And then Rex Ryan, who is 59 years old, will be 60 in 2023. He has 61 wins, 66 losses with a 48% win percentage in eight NFL seasons as a head coach, four postseasons, which include back-to-back AFC Championship games in 2009 and 2010, and only three losing seasons, one of which the 2016 7-8 record, which was fired by Buffalo with only one game remaining. So it could have been a 500 season. 
Next is Jim Codwell, who is 66 years old, will be 68 in 2023. He has 62 wins, 50 losses with a 55% win percentage in seven NFL seasons, four postseasons, one Super Bowl appearance in 2009. Took the Lions to the playoffs in 2014 and 16. Think about that. The Detroit Lions he took to the playoffs twice. Detroit should be building a statue of that man outside of Ford Field. And he also served as an XFL consultant in 2019 to 2020. The last person in my tier one is Mike Smith, who is 62, and he'll be 63 years old in 2023. He has 66 wins, 46 losses, with a, almost a 59% win percentage in seven NFL seasons, and he made it to four postseasons. Now my second tier, I have Marvin Lewis, who is 63 years old. He will be 64 in 2023. He has 131 wins, 122 losses, with a win percentage of nearly 52% in 16 NFL seasons, with seven postseason berths. Then Adam Gase, who is 43, will be 44 in 2023. And here's my outlier also with him if not a head coach, needs to be considered for an offensive coordinator. He has 32 wins, 48 losses for a 40% win percentage in five NFL seasons with one postseason. Just for the record, he is currently an offensive coordinator at a high school in Michigan. Talk to where he belongs. Perhaps, but he's easily accessible. Then Doug Marone, who is 57, will be 58 in 2023. He has 23 wins. And 43 losses with a almost 39% win percentage in six NFL seasons, one postseason, including the 2017 AFC Championship loss to the Patriots. Then Jay Gruden, who's 54 years old, who will be 55 in 2023. He has 35 wins and 49 losses with almost a 42% win percentage in five and a half NFL seasons, one postseason. Three losing seasons, of which were seven and nine, which were 2017, 2018. And he has a solid alternative football coaching experience with the Arena Football League and the United Football League. Jason Garrett, who is 55 and will be 56 in 2023, has 85 wins, 67 losses, with almost a 56% win percentage in nine and a half NFL seasons, with three postseason berths. Next is Mike Singletary, a 63 years old, who will be 64 in 2023. He has 18 wins and 22 losses, the 45% win percentage in three and a half NFL seasons. No postseason berths, but he also has head coaching experience in the Alliance of American Football with a Memphis Express from 2019, although the team's record was two and six. I also have Mike Riley who is 68 years old, will be 69 in 2023. He has 14 wins, 34 losses. He has no postseason bursts. He also has experience in the CFL with the Winnipeg Bombers with a 40-32 and 32 record, winning two Grey Cups, uh, 1988-1990. Also with the World League of American Football with the San Antonio Riders with a record of 11-9. and nine. Also with the Alliance of American Football with the San Antonio Commanders the five and three record. He was also the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Dragons in 2020. 
My third tier, I have Rick Neuheisel, who is 60 years old and will be 62 in 2023. Never mind the lack of NFL head coaching experience, but he has plenty of offensive coordinator and quarterback coaching experience with the Baltimore Ravens, as well as head coaching experience in the Alliance of American Football with the Arizona Hot Shots when he had a 5-3 and three record. I also have Kevin Coyle, who's 65, will be 67 in 2023. Never mind his lack of NFL head coaching experience. He does have extensive defensive coaching experience in college, in the NFL. He also has head coaching experience in the Alliance of American Football with the Atlanta Legends with a 2-6 and six record. Lastly, I have Tim Lewis, who is 59 years old, will be 61 in 2023. He has experience as defensive coordinator with the Giants and Steelers from 2000 to 2006. And he also was a head coach in the Alliance of American Football with the Birmingham Iron with a record of five and three. Okay, Brian, that's the end of my list. Do you have any thoughts? Yes. First and foremost, Doug Peterson. I'm convinced that guy is going to get in their NFL head coaching job. I I agree. I think he's going to be snapped up by somebody during this next head coaching cycle that's coming up. I think that's also the only name of the list that you mentioned. I'm convinced we'll get another head coaching job in the NFL. And I do generally like that. A lot of the names I mentioned on the tier one list, maybe aside from Rex Ryan, because I think he's probably content with the ESPN money he's getting. So I think he will probably stay there, but Jeff Fisher, I think will be a great pickup. John Fox probably would be another one. I think with Jim Caldwell's involvement in the XFL before, as you've mentioned, I think that could be an interesting name to keep an eye out for. But maybe since he was involved higher up, maybe head coaching might not be something he might be into right now. And we have to be fair. He did step aside for health issues at one mm-hmm. point. And that's why he pretty much gave up coaching in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I just mentioned it because he does have ties to the XFL. And a head coaching position is not just a head coaching position, but also a general manager position in the XFL. It's double duty. Mm-hmm. It might be enough to entice him. He had some interest, obviously, in serving as some capacity in professional spring football. Yeah. And I would say out of the tier one names, I think the one person that you mentioned would be most likely to maybe take a job in the XFL probably, in my opinion, would be Jeff Fisher. I do think, in general, a lot of these names might be a reach. Go to Tier 2. I like a lot of the names in Tier 2. I think a lot of those names in Tier 2 would be a good fit for Spring Football League like the XFL. In particular, mentioning names that I mentioned before, like Adam Gase or Doug Marone, I think those would be what I would call the right kind of retread hires that would be appealing for a league like the XFL. I couldn't necessarily dive too much into Tier 3. I think with Rick Neuheisel's experience coaching Summer League, he played in the USFL before. And he also had coaching experience at UCLA. I think that would be kind of an interesting name. A name that I've really thought about that sort of popped in my head that I thought would be kind of interesting for this would be Dave Wanstat. Yeah, slipped my mind, which obviously a couple that you also had on your list. Mm-hmm. I think Dave is probably up there in age. So even had I thought of him, I probably would have probably mm-hmm. put him on my out of the question. Kind of same with your Chang Gailey and Romeo Cornell. I'm pretty sure Chain Gailey's probably 70. He's Romeo about 68 may not be. or 69, actually. So he's not yeah. over my cusp. I'm not trying to be discriminate on anyone based on age, but I'm trying to look long-term as well. And yes. 
And Dave Wansai, I just checked, is 69 years old. There are coaches in the NFL who are currently in their 70s, and they've been there for a fair bit. So, I mean, you probably can get a couple years out of older coaches. But, you know, as you mentioned, it's one of those things where you probably want to think about longevity. I'm not an ageist completely because I do want June Jones back. I thought he was a perfect fit for the XFL with the Houston Roughnecks. And obviously that team was firing on all cylinders. Now it could be part of it is player personnel, but he obviously had a system. He also Mm -hmm. was able to get coaches. He's been nothing but an advocate for the XFL. Even when he was on the mad dog radio show, which I've had previously on another episode. And he's even talking about considering other people. I won't get into all who he's also interested in bringing on as staff members. What you need is an ambassador. You want somebody that wants to be a part of it. It's hungry, ambitious, so he's perfect. So I'm not an ageist completely, but I'm just thinking if you're going to start with somebody, wouldn't start with somebody already at 70 or, you know, even 69. I'd like to have some young blood. I'd like to have some people that are ambitious to be able to kind of prove themselves. Again, in a professional setting, especially somebody like Adam Gase, pretty much blew it up, right? Didn't matter what team he was with, whether it was the Dolphins, the Jets, he just, he stunk it up. The reality is he just might not have been ready. He's in his 40s. He was a solid offensive coordinator before them, which gave him a, a chance at the Dolphins, and then obviously got picked back up with the Jets. But at some point, you'd have to think that he's already learned his his mistakes and perhaps surround himself with you know the right people. Where else to really kind of get your footing for head coaching, maybe then spring football? He's back at high school, so he's interested and has passion for the game. Maybe he just needs to kind of get back to the roots, clear his head for a moment. And the reality is you mentioned there's going to be a number of spring leagues. Heck, you got all the arena leagues, USFL, Canadian Football League, XFL. There is all these reports coming out of Major League Football. There's going to be a ton of teams. Why not consider him for at least an offensive coordinator position? Yeah, another thought that I had sort of crossed my mind, and it sort of reminded me when I was taking a look at your responses to the question you posted to the Let's Talk XFL uh, Twitter page. Another thought that the XFL could think about maybe going after recently retired NFL players that could be interested in getting into coaching and seeing what they can do in this regard. Because think about this, what better person for players who want to try to make the NFL than somebody who has played in the NFL and has been there for 10 years, 15 years, and has done a good job. It maybe if not a head coaching job, definitely some coordinator positions or something. Maybe that's something that they could also think about too, because a lot of the names that we mentioned are absolute retread names. Thinking about maybe let's give some young guys a shot and see if coaching is their thing. I agree. I like the idea of bringing in former high end professional athletes. Name recognition is also huge. There could be a respect factor for some of these younger professional players trying to create their pathway to a league. So who would be better than to give them advice and kind of give them the daily grind, so to speak, from a player's point of view? Players that are not so far removed from the game. And I will get into the list here that I created from that question off Twitter. Like Wade Phillips, he was mentioned twice. Personally, I wouldn't consider any coach over 70. Byron Leftwich, he's 41. He'll be 43 in 2023, but he's currently under contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as their offensive coordinator. And the only problem about 
Byron Leftwich is I think he might be a candidate for some NFL head coaching jobs. So I don't think he would want to drop down to the XFL. I know people are hungry and there's the, oh, that's the guy deserves a head coach. Yes, he does. But he's probably going to get it in the NFL. And the money's just too good in the NFL compared to the secondary leagues. Eric Benemi, he's currently under contract with the Kansas City Chiefs as their offensive coordinator. That is, he's been somebody that has been named a lot in NFL head coaching searches. And I'm actually kind of surprised he hasn't got a, a job yet. I, I think, think he's, he's going more, to. I, right. I think he's more undeserving of a job somewhere. Then there was Rick Neuheisel, who I had on my short list. So, uh, you know, great minds think alike there. Jerry Glanville was on there, in my opinion. Again, it's no, personally, anybody over 70. I mean, the man's, what, did I say 80 earlier? Yeah, I think he said 80. Yeah. And I believe he would be okay as a a coordinator or, you know, helping out in some capacity. But I think we're we're beyond that. Or be like Paul Pascaloni in Florida and be like the assistant to like the defensive coordinator or something like that. They're like all 80 some odd year old people who played football or been in football forever have done something like that. You know, it's just like some special advisor role. You see in plenty of college programs, Bob Stoops is still doing it for the Oklahoma Sooners is filling the interim tag because of Riley's departure. Moving back to the list, we have Greg Williams, who's 63, will be 64. He had 22 wins, 34 losses, about 40% win percentage of three and a half NFL seasons. And he served as a defensive coordinator for eight NFL teams spanning 18 seasons. He does he would he didn't be, have a head coaching job. Yeah, he he had three and a half seasons, yep. With the Bills. That was one name that was mentioned on that where I was like, that's another good name to probably add to the list because, I mean, after all, if Kevin Gilbright got a job in the 2020 XFL, then I think Greg Williams might fit the bill somewhere. Right. Then there's Brian Cox, who's 53, will be 55 in 2023. No head coaching experience at all. No coordinator experience. And he hasn't coached since 2016. I just don't know if it's a head coaching. I think that's a prime candidate for maybe giving a coordinator position to, a defensive coordinator position. The assistant to the head coach. Right. <laughs> I think there's a way to groom that so that maybe eventually he fills future head coaching positions. Now, another name that was mentioned I saw on that list was something like Ray Lewis. Yes. And yes, he has no head coaching no experience at all coaching. That reminds me of, like, say, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime down at Jackson State. I'm just thinking that would be amazing just thinking about these players who want to try to make it NFL and having their coach be Ray Lewis. Wouldn't that be kind of awesome? No, hey, I, I say bring him in, defensive coordinator. Could you imagine how ramped up you would be on the sideline? You might even be smashing heads of people even without a helmet. Yeah, but anyway. among, among, other, among other things. <laughs> There's Pepper Johnson. This was an interesting one that I didn't even think about. He's 57, will be 58 in 2023. His only head coaching experience actually is with IMG Academy. He's their current head coach, which is one of the premier schools. Uh, a lot of high school talent. Five stars, four stars comes out of there. So, yeah, dealing with high-end players. He's the former Los Angeles Wildcats defensive coordinator, and he's had various defensive positioning coaching experience. There's Urban Meyer, which you mentioned. He's obviously under contract with the Jackson Jaguars. I do believe he will become a free agent, but I think his professional days are behind him. I think he's headed back to the college game. Just my personal take. It's one of those things I threw out where it's like, 
since this NFL experience with him has been an absolute disaster. But then who knows if how many people in the college game would come knocking on his door. So I was thinking, in this case, if he's out of a college job, you can't get one, but he's not going to be good enough for the NFL. Well, he could definitely at least earn a paycheck and keep himself busy by being in the XFL. And he might be a good bridge coach of sorts. I think he's a money guy. That's one of the reasons why I sort of threw it out there. So it was like a left field sort of, maybe there could be something for him. Possible. Look at Bob Stoops. I I would have never guessed that, right? So I think Urban Meyer is not impossible. I just think the possibility, the percentage is extremely low. I would see him following money, whether it's an assistant to an athletic director, like how in some capacities he's done in the past. I think he's going to follow money and he's going to follow, especially with college football, throwing stupid money at people now. I think if he gets back into coaching, that's where he goes. Another name that I sort of thought about, I mentioned earlier with Doug Marone, he's currently at the Nick Saban coaching rehab at the University of Alabama. Another person I know that's there that I think could be an interesting candidate is a certain man by the name of Bill O'Brien. Good name. I totally forgot about him when sort of putting this together. And I'm thinking that could be another one to think about. Just wrap up here. The last couple of names, John Gruden. I think he's too toxic at the moment. Who knows what three, four five years will bring, but I don't think this time around anybody's touching him. I think he's going to have lawsuits and everything. He's going to stay too much in the mainstream media. And seeing what happened with Washington. I think you have to sort of maybe think about is Jay also worth touching. Because Jay is also with Washington, a lot of that stuff was going down. You got to kind of keep that in mind, too. He's not mentioned in any reports. But he was still not around. Not that he can't be, right. So, but uh, I'm just saying, pretty much innocent until proven guilty. He's not in any reports. But once things surface, again, our list could change in a heartbeat because anything could come out about anybody's past. The last two on the list was Tim Lewis, who was on my short list, and then Ed Erjom, who personally, I don't believe he would even consider it. And if he did, the XFL couldn't afford him. Again, I think the college game is just throwing large dollar amounts and people are just bailing on even good jobs to go take even better paying jobs. So I, I just, I think he's yeah. out of the picture. But as far as your list, I think you had a lot of guys that are currently under contract. I do think like the Panthers head coach, I think he goes back to college if this doesn't work out. Obviously Urban Meyer, I, mean, I think he goes back to college. See, a lot of people that I had were under contract, but... As I mentioned before, I had to keep in mind that and on any of these positions we're talking about in the XFL, that's like two coaching hiring cycles away. So I'm just thinking, what would be some people that would be around at that time? I think they're two coaching cycles away because player combine is in June of 2022. I think that these hirings need to happen, and I think they need to start hiring their own staff. Their offense coordinator, defense coordinator, position coaches. I think these staffs have to be prepared to scout whoever's coming at the combines and prepare for drafts. So I think before you can even really start just scouting people, you got to have an idea of what your system is going to be, what type of defensive schemes, what type of playbook are you going to run on offense. So I think we're going to see something probably after the new year. I think we're going to start seeing some coaching positions or announcements. You got to keep in mind, we knew a while ahead of 2020 those coaches and they had to have time so I don't think it's gonna be any different this time around 
And also, I think they're going to be in the middle of hiring because the USFL hasn't announced coaches yet. And I believe they're battling with probably the same people. They're not trying to miss out on anybody and just be left with the scraps. There's always plenty of qualified candidates that could coach professionally. Any other ideas? I think we sort of had our fun throwing around some pretty wild names or some pretty interesting retread names or just retread names in general. Yeah, it's kind of just looking at XFL coaches in 2020 and comparing the lists that we have that we're throwing around now. A lot of the coaches that we're mentioning would probably be upgrades on a lot of these names. We sort of have to sort of balance between the position coach that's spent a while in the professional game or like the old head that looking for another paycheck. So we really don't know until they start announcing names. We're just taking wild guesses and speculating, also having fun with it, too. I mean, why not? Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. It's always a blast to have you on. Thank you very much, Mike. I always appreciate it, and I look forward to the next time I come on. Okay, and if I don't see or talk to you before the holidays, happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays, too, sir. Cheers. Cheers. Since recording my conversation with Brian, it has been reported that Urban Meyer has been fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Therefore, he is available. We have reached the conclusion of another episode. I would like to again thank Brian Roth for joining us. And if you have any interest in following Brian, you can do so on his Twitter at BrianRoth95. And as always, I'm interested in receiving your feedback. So don't be a stranger. Let me know your thoughts on the show and hit me up on social media. But before you go, do me a favor. Take a moment to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. Thank you for tuning in. I wish you all a safe and happy holidays. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.